Hi, my name is Marissa Klein. I'm the founder of Choice Fashion and Media and co-host of the career inspiration podcast, The Dreamcatchers. And I am Jamie Stozer, the other co-host of The Dreamcatchers and the VP of Fashion and Media at Choice Associates. Up next is a special edition of The Dreamcatchers. We've curated our favorite dreamers and doers for an inspirational conversation. Thanks for joining us and hope you enjoy. Welcome everybody to Luminary Live today, Monday, uh, with an incredible group of women that I have been passively stalking for many months to put together at a roundtable, which is actually, in fact, rectangular. I am Marissa, one of the hosts of the Dreamcatchers. I'm introducing myself, which is ironic on the podcast because we are live and we have an audience of it, about small, but there. Hey, guys. Um, and Jamie and I are excited to hopefully curate and have a conversation with this inaugural group of people, um, all focused in the incredible world that we work in, which is HR and staffing and recruitment. Um, all of us come to this table, rectangle, rectangle yep. business from one angle or another, and there was a reason behind each of my strategies of having you here today. And I look very much forward to our chat and hopefully future chats because that's the way I roll. Hi, I'm Jamie. Um, and as my sister and business partner and better half said that we are thrilled to be here today. This is kind of one of the things we love most about our job is talking to other people about why they do what they do and what got you here. And I think today what we're hoping to do is not only talk to you about your backgrounds and why you do what you do, but what it is that you offer your clients and coworkers and colleagues each day. Because I think one of the things that our hope is that this will live on and our fellow luminaries and also just in general, our listeners on the Dreamcatchers will get something out of this that they maybe didn't get a chance to get before. I mean, there's a lot of people we know that work for companies that don't have HR, um, that don't have any you know learning and development person or a coach or... Like ours. Yeah, like mine. Um, to ask a question or to pick their brain and... I think when, when I created even the marketing for this day, we were like, you know, how cool to be able to market this to say, like, have you always wanted to ask somebody this question and didn't have a chance to do that because you don't have someone to ask because you don't have an HR person or your HR person is a generalist who, um, you know, ha doesn't necessarily have the knowledge of each and everything. So um, we would love, oh, we have a guest. Hello. Um, <laughs> hi. Um, so... I think, you know, and I've worked at companies that do have HR and don't. I have worked at companies where I was the first HR person and didn't know all the answers. And I would have loved to have listened to something like this one day to be like, what would I say if somebody asked me that kind of question? So thank you for being here and for entertaining us and for, um, you know, sitting in this kind of warm room. We have some air coming in. So yes. And we're um, going to go around and have everybody introduce themselves uh, because we think that you do a better job doing that. Uh, than we could do for you. And I think uh, the one thing I didn't say out loud was the, almost the title and theme for the conversation, which was giving back as a choice. Yes, giving back so, as a choice. obviously at this time of year, it's November. Hopefully this lives on forever and you're listening to this in March. But right now it's November and uh, everybody's thinking about Thanksgiving, which is this Thursday mm -hmm. and how we give back and what we're thankful for. And and also our, our business that we work for, our family business, our dad's staffing firm is called Choice um, for a reason. And one of the things we were thinking about, um, we were joking before we got on air about 
you know, that I love a double entendre, but essentially that uh, giving back is a choice. And one of the things that we've all done in our careers is made the choice to help other people. Uh, so we thought maybe this would be a good theme for Thanksgiving and for November to make one of our podcast themes and panels about giving back. So thank and you for being here. I, I, so many people are starting to think about what they want out of their 2020, including totally. me. And yeah. I wanted a conversation with all of you. So it's not just an election year. So there's other things that we yeah. want out of 2020. So we should start from the beginning. Okay. Let them all right, so do their... What I would love to hear is everybody just introduce themselves a little, just a quickie, like who you are, where you work, and why you're here. Go ahead. Right. I'll kick us off. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Hannah Ayub, and I am a career and executive coach with a private practice. I work for myself. Um, based out of an office downtown in Soho. So this is my first visit to Luminary, actually. Thank you for welcoming me into this beautiful space. Um, I work with both individuals and organizations to help mid to senior level professionals navigate the next steps in their career. So sometimes that means how do I grow into a better, stronger, bigger, more influential leader? Um, and sometimes it means navigating um, transition. So I do see quite a bit of synergies with the HR conversation on in terms of how happy people are, what keeps people, you know, uh, what retains employees, um, as well as the need for, you know, staffing and recruitment as people navigate, um, you know, a multi-pronged approach to cover their bases and really try to get out there and find a new job sometimes. Um, so happy to be here with all of you, get to know you better, looking forward to a rich conversation. And I'll pass it on. Fabulous. Welcome. Thanks. Hi, I'm Julie Harnick. Um, I am an executive coach as well, working with mid-career professionals, um, helping them maximize their uh, their potential. Um, and I got into that because I think very often people get on a path, sometimes by accident, and suddenly it's 10, 15 years down the road. And oh, I got here because this was the first job I could get when it was time to get a job. And sometimes that works and often it doesn't. So helping people navigate what that means and especially in this very crazy working world we're finding ourselves in, navigate what might not be a traditional next step. So looking at all the possibilities and all the options. So it often falls under career transition, stepping into entrepreneurship, how you step into entrepreneurship, whether that's like the big leap or the baby steps along the way, um, or really going for that next level and showing that it's time for you to, to reach to that next level of leadership. So I've been a Luminary member since February. I love it here. And uh, I'm super happy to be chatting with all you ladies. Nice job, Julie. Wonderful. Hi, everyone. I'm Jill Katz. Hi, Julie. Hi. <laughs> um, I am a recovered head of human resources. <laughs> um, and I've, that's, that's how I like to describe myself. And I've dabbled in executive coaching. But um, I have the amazing honor of running an organization uh, called Assemble HR Consulting. And like Choice, I spent a lot of time figuring out what we were going to call our company. And maybe I'll leave it for later to talk about why we're called Assemble HR. Um, we do anything that starts with a C. So we focus on culture, communication, and conflict. And we've trademarked a leadership model called Candor, Courage, and Care. Uh, we're not in HR anymore. We're actually in the human being business. Mm -hmm. And what I think is changing in the world and the reason that I'm not leading HR in large organizations anymore is because five years ago and 10 years ago, people came to myself 
and the teams I led to help them with their teams. And now it's about pushing all of this back to the leaders. It's not about HR anymore. It's about every leader. Uh, my organization actually plays the role of people and helping leaders be great leaders for their companies. So we are the in-source, outsourced HR team for several startups, companies that either don't have HR or they have a really small HR department. Uh, we also run leadership development programs for many organizations. I do do a nice amount of coaching, but I'm doing a little bit less of it because uh, I'm really busy with programming. We also have eight um, programs that we've developed in-house and I love facilitating and leading them. So I do a ton of stand-up training and we do a heck of a lot of social media. So I spend a lot of time talking to myself and my screen um, and feeling like a complete moron while doing it in my office. Um, the other thing I do is spend a lot of time with my children and being a mom. And that is hands down the most important job I have ever had and ever will have. And the clock on that ticks so quickly. Mm -hmm. And I turned around and 15 seconds ago, I had a daughter that will be in high school at the end of this year. And that has a lot to do with the story I tell and the transition I've made. And it was the hardest thing I've ever done and the scariest thing I've ever done. And the only regret I have is that I didn't do it 10 years ago. I'm crying. I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> I'm Britta Larson, and I run an HR consultancy of myself and a um, partner. Uh, it's called It's Britta um, because I'm one of 10 children, uh, six adopted from all over the world, and nobody would learn our names. <laughs> uh, so, um, and, uh, and, and growing up in such a, a large family, uh, it did um, influence me a lot in how I am as an HR leader. Uh, because uh, of the dynamics of in, in my family and as in um, many companies or all companies, someone's doing really well um, and, and then there are individuals who are struggling um, and the people in the middle uh, sort of get lost or swayed to either direction, either positive or negative. Uh, and uh, so we work with... Um, I work and we work with founder-led organizations where the founder's still involved, where I'm directly working with the founder and translating their uh, philosophy and who they are into the actual employee experience. Uh, and so it is about um, the full life cycle of candidate through alumni. And uh, and so I, I, I try not to concentrate in recruiting um, because I think that's often the stereotype of what an HR person does. I can recruit, I have recruited, um, uh, but I really um, love the, the experience that someone gets from the employer brand and what that means to manage the courtship, to what it means to onboard, to what it means to retain, um, and really uh, looking at it like an equalizer, like a making music. And if you can enhance this part, um, de-escalate this part, um, then, you know, all ships can rise. Uh, and um, it's been a year and a half. It's been quite incredible after spending 20 years in-house to um, to be able to help multiple companies. Uh, and um, But I also struggle a bit with being the only um, person. So this is very exciting for me to be at this table because uh, I've worked at most often um, small companies and been the sole HR person. So, uh, and 15 years ago, fell into HR um, at a company wide meeting where I didn't know I was going to be promoted to VP of HR. Um, and I was the first to laugh. 
Um, I was still <laughs> drunk from the night before uh, with the colleagues, um, and uh, and I think I made out with a female colleague, and I was married <laughs> as a dare. Uh, and I just became and we're live, all of everyone. these colleagues' um, HR person, uh, which is probably why, <laughs> probably why I make a great HR person. Um, I no longer do that. Um, which part? Uh, uh, make out with your colleagues, um, or make out with my colleagues. Okay. Although maybe once again That's I'm getting boring. divorced. So, um, uh, so, anyways, but um, it's very exciting to be able to talk to people who speak this language, also. Um, and um, and as far as choice and giving back. Uh, I do think that it's wonderful to be able to be the ambassador for a company and um, an advocate for employees. And as often, and especially in the last couple of years where it's like you, HR is deemed as being there for the company, um, I often correct people that is not, I'm there for the employees and that's all of them. And yes, the leaders or the founder needs one thing as opposed to maybe a junior or mid-level person needs another. But I'm only doing my job if I'm actually connecting those relationships um, and being a translator for what the leaders and the employees are experiencing uh, I find it very gratifying and uh, next I can't I can't imagine why all these people have stepped away from staffing and recruitment <laughs> Sarah welcome I haven't yet yeah, no. yeah. Um, well thank you my name is Sarah O'Brien Hammond and I have been in the staffing industry for 16 years and for sure, I'm the oldest person in my office and um, it's a bit crazy when everybody is you know 15, 18 years, your junior. Um, it's about time that I'm, I need to step away, but I've been doing that for 16 years and um, work for a national staffing firm and I'm on the senior leadership team here in New York for a firm called Beacon Hill Staffing Group. And about a year and a half ago, I had this sort of midlife awakening, like crisis is a bit too dramatic for me, but I had a midlife awakening that I wasn't really truly fulfilled, despite checking off like all society's checklists of what brings you rainbows and unicorns, um, as far as getting married and having children and having success and you know all the things that are supposed to, from society standards, bring you everything. Woke up and was like, wow, I'm at a place where I never thought I would be. I thought it would be look different, and realized that I've just lacked. Um, fulfillment and purpose and had a real awakening and launched a community called the network of women a year and a half ago where i bring women together and it's um an effort for us to promote encourage and learn from each other for us to live our best life and we do that through monthly programming and it's been a really beautiful fruitful journey and allowed me to marry my staffing and coaching women and um, developing and supporting women in a professional standpoint but also be able to support them in other ways because we show up to work as our full self and i think sometimes companies forget that so it's nice to be able to support women in other ways um, other than just staffing and career love it so we are excited at Luminary to be partnering with Sarah and some of her colleagues, uh, which you all will hear about. We'll keep you. Stay tuned for an announcement in the next couple of weeks. Um, so my name is Sarvi. I am the Chief Impact Officer here at Luminary. And I also am an adjunct professor at NYU where I teach management. And so my worlds come together around 
community. And I do think the place that the workplace is heading is thinking about not just workplace, but also how do you create community at workplaces. Uh, so that's a big part of what I've done throughout my career. I spent 20 years working in colleges and universities, creating community and doing leadership and career development. So over the course of my career, I've coached thousands of job seekers anywhere from 18 to 80. So these are people who are starting their career and people who have had a full career who are going on to an encore career. And through that, I've gotten an incredible insight into what works well for people, what people are looking for as they look for work. And then from a management standpoint, as somebody who teaches management, I think many things could be solved if we were all better managers, right? And so some of that, Jill's making eyes at me, and we're going to talk about that, I think. that. So if we were all better managers, we would have more inclusive workplaces. We would have people whose talents shined more. We would have um, places that were more community oriented. So one of the things that we do at Luminary is really connect many of our members, i.e. this is why many of us are sitting around the table today, but also we need places to grow and learn. And so we do anywhere from 12 to 18 events a month here at Luminary, and they could be anything from crafting your professional story to understanding your communication. Julie's going to do a program next month on having difficult conversations and you know, having skills to do that because we need to do that in all the ways. And so, um, again, for me, so much of this is around community, career, and then how do we, in many ways, be kinder to one another? So good. Can we stop there? Yeah. I just love all of this. <laughs> um, I'm like, this is dreamy. Uh, so, you know, it's it's interesting because as as we talk about a lot on our podcast, but I, I, I'll shorten it for a moment. I came from corporate HR and I worked in, I tripped into it as probably most of us did in some capacity um, or didn't do it at all in our corporate, you know, lives. Uh, but I was working in corporate HR and for a long time was the only or one of two or one of three and then ended up getting a job at Turner Broadcasting, which was part of Time Warner. And I worked for CNN and I had a team of like 380 mostly women, but not all women that are like-minded and doing this and trying to help others. And uh, it was inspiring. And then I came to work for Marissa and it's really just us and our wonderful team. And we're trying to build that type of community for our clients every day. And it's so challenging, depending on the leader, depending on the hiring managers, depending on what they're seeking, why. And I'm just excited to be here today to talk to other people that deal with the types of stuff that we deal with and also give advice to our listeners um, for some of the stuff that or we're like challenged. advice to me. Yeah, or myself. Like, um, you guys feel like a fluffy bathrobe. Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> uh, yeah, totally. Um, so I love all of the, what you said. And we covered some of our first questions in your kind of uh, elevator pitches. But what we typically do next is – what I'd love to hear, and we don't have to go in order this time, we can just kind of shout out or whoever wants to speak first, um, where your aha moment came from. So a lot of us, as we already kind of touched on, made this change maybe, or they had kids and they decided to do something different or, or, or. So for me, I was in a corporate HR setting um, and I wanted to teach dance to kids. That's literally what happened to me. And I got an opportunity to run a small, not really that small, uh, new franchise of Kidville, which is a kids enrichment facility um, that was opening in Hoboken. And I was in corporate HR and I wanted to take this next step of my career. And I was like, maybe I'll go work for Kidville and like teach 
kids to dance and like plan birthday parties, but also do all of their admin and operations and HR. Uh, so I did that. And I was like in an opportunity in my life and a time in my life where I had a dual income and I was able to do that. Um, and I did that for two and a half years until I was almost nine months pregnant and teaching dance, nine months pregnant to three-year-olds and sitting on the floor and getting up, one second, Miss Jamie's on her way. You know, like, uh, it was really not amazing. And my husband looked at me and was like, and I was going in at like all hours of the night if the, you know, um, fire alarm went off because the owners didn't live local, I did. And I was just working to the bone. And around that same time, Marissa needed somebody to help her. So next thing you know, oh, my dad's I here. We're on, on air, dad, so you can sneak in. Uh-huh. It doesn't surprise me that you didn't respond to my text. <laughs> this is Steve, our CEO, our dad. By the way, that's live. Yeah, you're on. Yeah, you're on air. It's okay. Okay. Everybody, dad, we'll find you a seat. Um, so we have a family affair here today. Family affair. That's Alex's uh, mom in the back. Yeah. So uh, he's our CEO. So um, as I was about to say, he, my sister had convinced him about 15 years ago, so about, you know, seven years ago at that point, to open a fashion media division. And having come from media, um, I came over to help her run that. So my sister and I run that division together. And around that time, obviously, I had my first baby and was able to do all these things. So I had my aha moment. It took me a little bit. My aha moment was actually to go teach dance. And then I realized I couldn't. So as you're about to say your aha moment, I want you to, I want to say something that I think is really fun. A fun little thing that one of the things I picked up along the way through the years of talking to people, I think maybe because I had interviewed so many people, no one comes to us when they're happy. I talk to people that are unhappy 90% Most of, the of the time. time. And also the hiring managers yes. that need no our help happy. are unhappy. So I, I would make little exercises in my brain to like inspire myself, which I did not realize that's what I was doing, but I think it was coping mechanism over the last 15 and a half years. But I would like draw out in my mind like what the person's astrology sign that's not part of this podcast but it is something that I would do I'd be like I can tell they're in Aries I can just tell um but I also did something and Jamie and I do this together where it's not a shock that her aha moment coincided with her childhood dream so she always wanted to be a dancer so when she got pushed to that limit and had that really amazing opportunity I hear bells you guys hear bells? Yeah. Oh, so I can oh, hear the bells. Oh, it's the chandelier. Um, <laughs> I can <laughs> hear the bells. Okay. okay. So if you can, <laughs> if you can share a little bit about, you know, your aha moment, Hannah, and then perhaps tie it into my favorite question in the world. What did you want to be when you were to grow up? Probably from a five-year-old perspective, because that's my favorite one to ask. Yeah, absolutely. Go. Happy and to go And by the way, we, we end up saying, as Marissa just said, that usually your aha moment comes potentially with what you wanted to yeah. do when you grew up and so or it led it. you there mm-hmm. or something about what you wanted to do when you grew up kind of is why you do what you do now. Yeah. Let's prove it. I Let's can I it. can connect the dots. Let's we're going to we're going to we're going to shoot from the hip and talk out loud yeah. here. But I think there is an integration there. Um, my aha moment happened um, in my early 30s. It was 2014. I had just spent six years working for the investment firm Blackstone, um, creating their analyst program for one of their business lines. So I was doing recruitment, training, uh, loved it, loved the people, learned a lot. But I'm not a finance person. Never was, never will be. Um, and I sat on the floor, reported to the head of the investment team. So it was only a matter of time before I knew, you know, uh, I needed to go. And it was a little bittersweet, but uh, I attempted to resign. My boss accepted the resignation and then 20 minutes later generously offered me a leave of absence. Um, He said, 
you're native Californian. It was a rough winter. Maybe you just need the summer off. And, you know, let's, let's talk in a couple of months. That's amazing. Um, so I had, a, I had a really sweet position to be able to really invest in myself, to reflect. I had hired coaches in the past. Um, that, that previous coaching engagement is what brought me from the West Coast to the East Coast. So I knew it was game time to hire another coach and kind of figure it out. And 26 coaching sessions later, I was able to confidently uh, call my boss back and tell him I was not returning and that I was going to be um, pursuing uh, a coaching certificate and getting trained at NYU and launching my own practice. Uh, Wasn't a super brief, you know, fast aha moment. I needed really the data and the proof to show myself, you know, um, I had these skills. It's valued in the workplace. It can be a business. Organizations are valuing it. It's important for people to feel aligned with their work. And I was pretty close there, you know, and I was in the professional development space. I just don't think that was the right environment for me. Um, But it took a lot of work to kind of leave, you know, that sort of fancy business card. Um, And, and, you know, now I hand people a Hannah Ayub coaching business card and I get wildly different reactions. And I get a lot of support from people these days. I think the coaching space has really gained a lot of um, street cred, thankfully. Um, but that was my transition. Um, and that's kind of what really showed me how I can be more aligned with my work. And it didn't necessarily need to be an entire 180. It was a real repositioning of my environment and, and how I'm doing the work. Tying it into your question, uh, what did I want to be when I was five years old? So I uh, wanted to be my mom. She, I think we have such, we are so influenced by the examples we have of people working or not working, what that looks like, um, how, you know, if you're able to call your, your parent or your caregiver while they're at the office, are they traveling a lot? Are they complaining at the dinner table? Are they proud of their work? And I, you know, uh, just looked up to my mom and she's stay at home mom. She always said our, you know, her job was, um, you know, our success, uh, and, and the last thing I'll kind of add on that is I really wish this is a call to you all into the universe that we can integrate more career development into the academic systems. Like I did not know what was possible, what was out there. I wish I had a good answer for you and told you exactly what I wanted to be when I was five. But I didn't, I really, or, you know, or 25, to be honest, it took me a long, a long time to get there. Um, I fell into my first job in the real estate field, wanted to move to New York, landed at Blackstone, thankfully. And it took me a lot of effort and conversations um, to, you know, reflect on what it is you want, what I want to do. We talk about that all the time. In fact, Marissa even launched something at as low as third grade. Is it third grade into fourth grade? third grade into fourth grade at our local school mm-hmm. about dreams and what you want to be and putting it into a vault that we open in eighth grade and yeah. all of that stuff and resume workshops in seventh grade um, to, as I mentioned earlier, offline, but I like to mention always on air that I went to Michigan, go blue. And as Ming like, I'd likes to thumbs up every time we're on air, Jill as well, <laughs> um, that I work with the college kids too now because I think it's so important that we're, especially in this day and age of having everything at your fingertips, 
for some reason they still don't know. It's it's everywhere and it's nowhere. Yeah. Um, so I 100% agree with you. We, I mean, I'm sure we, we're all nodding because I think that it could start even younger, figuring out younger what options are good. In fact, we always talk about this with our young candidates. Who are you in your friend group? Mm-hmm. Are you the one that pays the bill? Mm-hmm. Are you the one that makes the plan? Mm-hmm. Are you the one that knows the good hot restaurant? Because yeah. likely that skill set could translate somehow into a career. 100%. Like, if you're the one that pays the bill, likely you're good with numbers. And by the way, there's other jobs that are not just being a financial analyst that happen to deal with numbers. Yeah. Um, Career is our human journey. Mm-hmm. Anyone that thinks that it's not the human journey is lying. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. It's Even if you don't work, it's so much a part of who you are. Right. I don't work. Mm-hmm. I stayed at home. All of those conversations, we deal with it all day, every single day. Now, mm-hmm. as mothers, too. I mean, it's literally almost everything that mm-hmm. we talk about. Mm-hmm. That's at the crux of how I work with a lot of people too, mm-hmm. which is kind of reflecting on what are your patterns throughout your whole life. Um, and there's yeah. a lot of in- career strategy information that lives there. And I think we're so groomed to sort of separate that, mm-hmm. our work self and our real self. Um, yeah, so separating I'm, personal professional has always been our sorry. MO. I know the bells are hilarious. <laughs> I think by, good the time we're, by the time we get around this table, I'm going to be in like a like a reclining <laughs> chair. <laughs> like I'm thinking to myself that this was a therapy session. Go, yeah. go Julie. Um, Yeah, so I think for me, my aha moment was less about knowing where I was going, but kind of knowing where I didn't want to be anymore. Mm -hmm. So for me, my career, I had a 15-year career in media and marketing, and I did that. I used to say I had career ADD because I jumped around a lot, which I think now is much more a common way of people operating than I was giving myself credit for. But what I did was I was on the cutting edge of the latest thing in media and marketing, almost by accident. I was in cable when cable was hot. I know nobody can remember that. But I did I did Lifetime Television's first digital advertising campaign. Like the first time ever. What What's a banner ad? Like no one had done it before. Um, I remember when the head of our department said, okay, let's try this thing. So when I went from there to Video On Demand, which now has grown into all of like our Netflix and things like that, went from there into branded content as digital picked up and then I went into tech. And I was in tech for four years as the VP of marketing and I just got bored. And I was like, I'm too young to be this bored. And I can't imagine spending, I have a lot of working years. If life goes the way I wanted to, I have a lot of working years ahead of me. I've always been very driven. This isn't how I want to spend the rest of my career. And so what I did was I gave myself a time frame because I also didn't want to be in that no man's land for too long. So I was like, I want to get to my bonus. I have about three months to mm-hmm. get there. You know, people are like, just quit. Let the universe take care of you. <laughs> Sometimes that's a good choice for people. For me at that moment, it wasn't. Um, and so he's so graceful. Yeah. It's such a good place to yeah. just take a couple months yeah. off. Yeah. <laughs> no bills. Yeah, exactly. But I gave myself three months to explore every whim I ever had. So I was like, if I were to start all over, what would I do differently? So I thought about, I audited a wine class. I thought about becoming a sommelier. I interviewed, I've always been in New York City. I interviewed for jobs in other parts of the country. I... Um, anytime anything came up that could said possibly yes, be it, I said yes. Say yes. And in the back of my mind, I've always been a personal and professional development nerd. Like I'm the one that loves those offsites and those leadership development days. And I worked with coaches the way most people work with therapists. And I just loved it and I ate it up. And I was like, I don't know, other people make their living doing this. Maybe I can too. And I also knew that I wanted to work for myself and I knew it wasn't going to be in marketing. And so I was like, I don't want to, you know, there's much better, my friends, if they're listening, are going to yell at me for saying this. But at the time, I was like, there are better marketers out there than me. I This isn't where our, my passion is. And what I'm learning now a couple of years into running my own business, you really have to be passionate about what you're doing because it takes so much of your energy. And I knew that. And that you also have to be good at marketing. And you have to be good at marketing. Yeah. So it <laughs> is nice to, to have yourself. that in the background. Right. So 
so yeah, so I gave myself three, like about three, three and a half months. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go and do some coaching training. And because I also knew that I needed to learn about what I didn't know I didn't know about officially becoming a coach. And um, even then I was going to leave my job, treat it like grad school. And someone gave the best advice I got was don't do that because staring down a schedule where there's very little commitments can be the most paralyzing thing. So go until you absolutely don't have time on your calendar to do more. And I followed that and that led me down a really great year and a half, which is maybe a story for another time of just things opening up when I needed it to. And when I look back at what I want, I mean, I wanted to swim with the dolphins when I was little. I don't know if there's a connection there. (laughs) But when I look back at my teenage self, right, I was like president of Key Club Mm -hmm. twice, right? I was a leader. I was all about giving back. And I think now that I have found this place that speaks more to me, there are some of those themes when I look back that are really connected. And I'm very grateful that I had the journey that I had to kind of get back to it because I really appreciate it now. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of times when I talk to clients, they really make themselves wrong for the journey they've been on. And I think standing in the place of like, it's all just giving you more data points and more information about where you're heading. Um, I couldn't be doing what I'm doing now if I didn't have my marketing career. So um, that's how I got to my aha moment. Love it. Love it. Jill, I'm excited to hear I'm, I'm obviously, I, this entire also, time, I'm going to try to think about how swimming with the dolphin correlates. If you get it, let me know. And I'm very happy that's I my got to go riding before tides. Tides. Like, Yeah, riding tides, riding with too. the waves. <laughs> my aha moment is actually many, many aha moments that came together. Um, I wanted to be a Broadway star when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. And I actually spent most of my childhood practicing to be a Broadway star. And there was a big moment in my childhood where I actually went and had a singing lesson with a famous, famous singing teacher named Andy Anselmo. And for anyone who knows the business, he had a few other students. Um, Mandy Patinkin was Mm -hmm. one. Wow. Um, Liza Minnelli was one. Uh, Should we clear the table? Yeah, like, I think it's starting to get interesting. You you heard me saying I can hear the bells before, so (laughs) I'm with you, girl. I'm right there with you. I'm intimidated by you. Um, (laughs) And he asked me to leave the room and took my father in the room at the time. This shows you how old I am, by the way. And said, um, don't let this kid go to college. Give me this kid and I'll put her on Broadway. And my dad got in the car with me and we drove home from New York City and he said, it's up to you. Do you want to go to college or do you want to move into New York and go on Broadway? And I did what any good academic kid does. I put my dreams in the back and I went to college. Yeah. And shit. Yeah. Because <laughs> you saw what happened to Mandy Patinkin and Liza Minnelli, right? So I went to college and got all good grades and did everything I was supposed to do. At Michigan, by the way. At University of Michigan. They have a good music program. Which I didn't go into because I decided I was going to turn my head the other way and go academic. And I turned away from the stage. And that was the end of that for me. I decided I was making a decision and I was going away from the stage. By the way, holding this mic feels so damn good. I was going to say, but you're holding a mic. I'm just going to hold it. Um, And so I did in my career what I've done with anything else. I set goals and and I went after them and achieved them. And I I always set goals that were unreasonable. I said, I want to 
you know, have this job by that age and I want to be a director by that age. And, and I was really fortunate and I was able to achieve it. And now I want to do this by this stage and I want to do this by this stage. And again, really, really fortunate and was able to achieve it. And there I was and I had amazing jobs in the fashion retail industry and I was less than 40 and I was in a head of human resources job at the largest retailer um, in fashion and I had a corner office and I had an assistant sitting outside of my office and my coffee was always just the way I like it and there was magenta and cyan in my printer at all times (laughs) and Daniela had things just the way I liked it and I would call Daniela (laughs) <laughs> and anything I wanted was I, there. I heard the inflection. Did I you hear it? It was yeah, perfect. And I had a car service every night, and, and I had enough money to send everyone to college, and I was living just the life that we all saw on TV that I thought I wanted. And I was really unhappy. Mm-hmm. I was really, really unhappy. And as a matter of fact, what I learned was that the higher... I went in fashion and in HR the further I went from the work I loved. And in fact, unfortunately, because of when I was ascending in my career in fashion, what I was actually doing was spending more time letting people go. So I was being paid more money to take people's jobs away. And I was one of the people that was laying off the people that you were talking about in the beginning. So I was taking highly established executives with 20, 30 years of career experience. And I was the person who was being paid a lot of money to end their careers. And then I was taking car service home. And it was devastating. And it was affecting my health. It was affecting my mental health, and I was going home, and I was a shitty person. I was a terrible mom. I was a terrible wife. I was unhealthy. I was unhappy, and I thought to myself, I can't do this. And so I walked to the edge of the cliff, and I was like, I am going to leave this job. And I looked over, and I was like, okay. And I went back to my desk, (laughs) and I had... Daniela order coffee for me (laughs) and I went and did another four years of it because it was so comfortable to be making that kind of money and living that life Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until a series of horrible events that impacted my own health my own mental health and letting go so many people that I loved and a podcast that I was asked to join that ultimately ended up having half a million viewers that I said, YOLO, people. I hope that happens today. I was going to say, I hope that happens today. I don't know if that's the case, but I do hope that happens today. If any any of the gods are listening, that would be wonderful. Wonderful. And so I went for it. And um, I have never, ever, ever looked back. Um, And for those that do know the story, my business is now almost two years old. I've lost 73 pounds. Amazing. Wow. Um, And what my business has done um, is a true reflection of what happens when a person just decides that what you really need to do is do what you really need to do. Yeah. I love it. 
for wow. some color before we. Britta, you got to figure out how to follow that. Britta, I, I think you. Britta. I think you started out hot. Okay, I'm Britta not sure. Came in hot with kissing a girl. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. Wait, I'm not wait, sure. Wait. I've never kissed a girl. So, so I'm not sure if you can follow that. Um, Take a minute. Just for some color, and I, I may. I don't want to uh, speak out of turn here, so correct me if I'm wrong. But one of my longest-standing relationships in staffing, Sarah, close your ears. Um, is somebody that reported to you at PVH, um, which was Sarah Gould, who actually yeah. bought my apartment on 79th Street by accident. Actually, nothing's an accident, right? But she was looking at apartments and went into mine, and she called me after, and this was when I had oh, a and she's like, four-month college kid, apartment? and I needed to get out of my New York City apartment, and the economy had crashed, and the world was over in 2008-9. Remember that? Yeah, it was terrible. Maris doesn't remember that, but remember that? Um, anyways, so Sarah Gould called me from a show. Dad, corner, do you remember she's that? like, I think, <laughs> yeah. um, I think I was just in your apartment, not to be creepy, but I'm pretty sure I saw a picture of you and David on the wall. And she's like, and I see the crib next to your bed. I'm like, yep. So sure enough, Sarah Gould bought my apartment. But it was probably, when did you go to Macy's from PVH though? Was it around the same time? Because I only met you once, which I, as soon as I saw your face, I remembered it, but it's many, many years ago. It's probably. That is hilarious. What a small world. The truth is, after I left Macy's, I retired. I retired for, I retired because I was so traumatized yeah. by what happened. And during the period of time which I retired, which is another great conversation for working women on another podcast, and we can all laugh about it, is I lasted in retirement for about. Five weeks. I was going to say like, 40 like, seconds. Yeah, like two days. Because, by the way, Daniela, she can't reach you there. Yeah, no. It was really... Daniela, where is my coffee? It was not a good situation. So I woke up in retirement, and by about 8.45, I would call my husband and say, so, what you doing? <laughs> and I had contractors in my house, and yep. he would come home and say where's the porch? And I'd say, oh, I had them rip it off. And where it was a mess. It was a bad, bad situation. And so I had to immediately go back to work because not having something that I owned that was worth thinking about and being a part of and, and doing something that was exciting and challenging was not for me. And talking to the to the wall and my poor dog was like mom I can't solve <laughs> the world's hiring issues or <laughs> candor courage and care I just want to pee on the floor so um but I so I took the time off then I was at Ellie Tahari oh I don't know if that's on your LinkedIn profile <laughs> yep it is but we can't talk about yep. that on a podcast um and then I was at I've lost track it's all good I just hope I you have a look, porch we did do. you put it back we do. Okay. Yeah. Britta. All right, Britta. Let's hear about the girls. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I'll start with what I wanted to be when I uh, was five, um, which was to work in fashion and to move to New York City. And um, I think uh, not only I wore out the VHS Working Girls movie tape mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and uh, let, let. Oh, the best. Yes. I won't. Do I it. can't sing. You do it, Jill. Although um, I might. I do have a I do have a Tony nominated sister who um, I get uh, confused for, and I have been known to sign her autograph. <laughs> no way. Would we see her? Um, anything? Would we see her? Beautiful. <gasps> yeah. Stop. No. Yeah. yeah. Wait, she sang. She did the. 
Oh, which, she was uh, Cynthia Weil. She was the um, uh, not not the um, Carol not, King character. not Carol. Yeah. Oh my yeah, God. No, so, wow. um, but I um, but I hate Broadway, and yet I've had to um, go to it for the last twenty five <laughs> years. So, oh wow, um, that's where you lose. I can be your seat fillers. Okay. Yeah. That's a good show. We'll be your seat fillers. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, um, yeah, I have some fun stories about that. But yes, um, I love it when I come out um, uh, of the um, backstage and um, they're fans and they're like, Anika, Anika. And I'm like, and then Anika comes out behind me and they're like, I'm confused. And I was like, ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> um, we for, get confused for each other. Wait, is that time. what happens yeah, when you're one of 10? Well, when you're one of 10, yeah. I mean, nobody would learn our names. Um, uh, and I actually once went to the dentist and got the sealants put on my teeth that were meant for her because I answered to her name. But someone geniusly asked me, why were you going to the dentist alone? And I was like, that is the better question. Yeah. Um, it would be like the Larson day at the dentist. And it was like five feet away from our house. So, um, but anyway, so, um, but, uh, but I wanted to get into fashion and, uh, and move to New York City right after college and, um, and, and didn't realize um, that, uh, and studied business in college, but didn't realize that just being social and organized would, could get you quite far, um, especially in your early career. Uh, and, um, and aha moment i mean uh you know being having a great mentor decide and a company decide that you should be hr when you have no interest in doing that um is beautiful and what that means for you to really think about how a business runs by great people being treated great um and uh and that was i was a founding employee of um an advertising agency that had come out of um uh um, a fashion house uh and it was incredible to do all the things that encompassed hr but not know that those were the things that i was doing i wasn't calling it succession planning i wasn't calling it villagen culture i wasn't calling it um uh training and development i just was caring about employees and fellow employees and the company that Mm -hmm. i had been a founding employee of um and then what launched the my own consultancy last year was because after spending 20 years in a world of creative um uh and and working with freelancers i had then worked at a few as head of talent in-house um at a few innovation companies and realized that consulting was a word that i could probably do and be and had enough experiences then to be that person who had 20 years of experience uh to to be able to help out founder-led companies um uh and i love earlier sort of what it is to be a great manager and what it means to lead and also now in such an entrepreneurial and founder-led generation uh what does it mean to translate that into the employer brand so i was really bummed when i turned into hr because i'd worked on brands um, but in that moment, I realized, no, there's an employer brand and the consumers are the employees. And um, and so it felt great to sort of what does that mean to be um, internal and overhead mm-hmm. and not billable, um, but to help all the people who, um, you know, in their experience. Um, but I love following you. I just want to answer every question. I might just follow <laughs> you out of here. <laughs> so. Well, I actually think that you're an employee experience. And I love that you just said that you were bummed when you found out that you were in HR because I am part of the movement that I'm trying to push is to abolish this concept of human resources. And when I go out on the speaking circuit, I do talk a lot about how we are no longer a department. Mm-hmm. When I started in HR years ago, um, we were a department. We were a place that people came to share their issues and get their problems solved. And now we should be a racquetball concept. Mm-hmm. 
it isn't a place. It's a concept. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I'm glad you're bummed because what you do and the way you describe it, by the way, is amazing. And I'm following you Mm -hmm. now. I love what you're doing and how you're talking about it. And it's employee experience. Mm -hmm. And it is the marketing right back into the organization of what it is that the organization does with their people and for their people that is as important if not more important than the products or services that the company is selling to their customer. So rock on girl. Yay, Britta. Good job. It's so interesting because as as staff, being in the staffing industry, it's like working with HR. And again, like I love the shift in just the titles of, of culture and people and because um, mm-hmm. it's so much more, right? But it's so wonderful to partner with a real culture carrier. So you can tell immediately, you guys I'm sure agree, when, sure. You, when you talk to someone and it's like they're partnering with you and they're telling you about so much more than the spec, right? And I think like it has historically been in 16 years, I've gone through all the iterations of speaking with HR people where they are oftentimes ticked off because it's putting them, they're inconvenienced. They're having the hiring managers um, yelling down their neck, breathing down their neck. And so oftentimes it's like, Sarah, I mean, I've had the same clients for 16 years. You know what we'll hire. And I'm like, like, you know what we want. And I'm like, well, you're 16 years older. Like, no, you're not what what I hired, what you know, what you hired 16 years ago. But the right people take the time to say and stop and say, this is where we're at. This is where we're, how we've grown. These are the new leaders we have. This is the direction we're heading, blah, blah, blah. And so it's really nice. And you can see that shift, even though I don't I'm not in HR per se. I'm staffing, but clearly I'm in that world. And so as a person who is a um, a compliment to the HR world, it's nice to see that shift. And those are the partners that I now, when I get a chance to do business development, um, that I like to partner with, to be able to work with folks who look at it from that lens. Um, so I think my aha moment, like many of you women have so eloquently said, is that it was like waking up and just realizing that what you're doing wasn't bringing you happiness. And I think I've lived in New York for 20 plus years and I, at 42, lifted my head up and I don't think I'd reflected in 42 years. I think that I had just gone and gone and gone and gone. You know, I came to New York, got a job, got the next job, got the husband, sorry, honey, got the kids, <laughs> um, you know, got the job, sorry, made more money, you know, and so, and it was just like, you know, that's what you do. And this is what New York tells you. It's like, go and go and go and go and go. And then finally I lifted up, I was like, holy shit, where am I? What am I doing? Mm-hmm. Where are my kids? Because I wasn't present. Mm-hmm. I was not a good wife. I'm sure I wasn't a good mother. And I really took me a moment in hitting and hitting really a brick wall to be like, what is it that you want to do? And also when I'm mentoring young um, recent college grads and also working on the college campuses, it's really asking like, really fundamentally, what do you want from life? And they might not know at 21, but no one's asking them what like more so than a title. What is it you want to feel like I knew I wanted to have children. I knew I wanted to be in a job that gave me financial independence. I didn't have a trust fund to unfortunately lean on when I got older. So it's like these things were important to me, but I didn't know where to find those things. Um, but I w- And I wasn't having those conversations. So I'd be able to have conversations with younger um, generations to have them think about those really important things because I wasn't thinking about them until I was 42. And what a shame and what a disservice. But thank God I, I stopped and now know what direction I went ahead. And which is why really this this beautiful community was born because I was talking about it to my peers and they were saying, I feel the same way. But no one was talking about it. 
because they had all these things. And from the outside world, especially in the social space, everything's perfect. What do you mean, Sarah, you're not happy? Like You look pretty in that Facebook post. Yes, right. exactly. Like, wait, you're vacationing there. You have these things. You have this house. And I'm like, whoa, you don't get to determine what brings me happiness. But I was too busy, I think, trying to live up to everyone else's form of happiness that it took a moment to stop to say, what is it? And then when I realized that so many women were feeling that same way, I said, I don't want to live all the years of my life not truly knowing what fuels me and yeah. ultimately brings me happiness. If I asked you to draft a list of what causes you anxiety, you could probably do it pretty easily and maybe have a few pages of it. If I asked you what brought you happiness, it might be a little bit harder. And so I want to shift that. And I've um, been on this beauty, beautiful self-discovery journey personally, and it's been great to um, have a lot of women along my side, along the journey. So. And I always wanted to be an educator. Okay, there you Sorry go. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, I was, yeah, was going to say, but where did you... What I did, always remember, like, I grew up in Vermont, lining up my teddy bears and, like, speaking to them and teaching them. And I went to elementary education at UVM, mm -hmm. not Michigan, but mm -hmm. go Cats. That's good. Um, I'm a UVM grad. We can... <laughs> oh, you are. Yeah, right. I love that. Oh, yeah. I've been to Ben and... Wait, that's interesting. I've been to Ben and Jerry's. I had a shirt. I mean, yeah. You did the tie-dye. Yeah, I did it. I was there. And Cabot. Don't forget that. Oh, yeah. Good. Cheese, too. Yeah. Cheese and ice cream up there. So I've always been teaching, I feel like, and always um, it's always been a part of who I am. And, mm -hmm. and um, it's a big part of who I am. I'm just not in the front of the classroom, but an educator. And but a lot you of kind of are. You're definitely educating yeah. people yeah. left and right. Yeah. So. I don't know. how. To, that's a finale. How are you going to finale? No, she you gave me the best segue. Let's do it. Right? So I've been an educator all my life. Uh, I worked in colleges and universities. I didn't teach until recently. Um, but everything I've done has been around education. So she teed me up great. Yeah. That, that's a nice good, cat, good, cat amount, good cat amount spirit there. Um, so I have a very different story. I have always been in jobs that I felt a strong connection of purpose to. Um, and I think a lot of that is because when I was really young, I spent my summers in India. And so I grew up in suburban DC um, and spent my summers in India and at a very young age could see issues of inequity up close, personal, um, in many different ways. And so I always knew that I wanted to work around equity, inclusion, fairness like these are beliefs that are really really deeply held for me and so um i was really lucky to find jobs that i felt like i really feel like i need to believe in the job that i'm doing and what i'm doing here or i'm not doing it now part of that is an incredible privilege right to be able to do that um but that purpose piece is really really important to me so if i haven't liked a job I've kind of had this attitude of, I can just get up and go, you know? And whether that is, you know, some of that is a little bit of a financial privilege in terms of knowing that there's enough money in my bank account to do that. And I think one of the things that everybody should strive for besides putting money in retirement is putting money in a um, FU account, which is the, I can walk out the door tomorrow and feel no, um, like, and know that I'm okay for a little bit, right? So I think forego the drink, put it in your FU account, you might need it at some point. And I think that that's an incredibly powerful thing to have, especially a powerful thing for women to have. Um, so, you know, I've had that for a long time and partially because of the way I took, took certain jobs that, um, that I did. And and I've never had a fear of that. I've never had a fear of walking out the door and not being employed or not being employable. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and I think some of that is working in career development for 15 years. I know the mechanics of a job search. I know that I can find a job. Question is, can you find a job that you really love? And that to me is, is the piece that's most important, right? So I've always had this um, incredible privilege of working in jobs that are meaningful to me and purposeful. And having been on the other side as, as, uh, as a career coach, listening to so many people who have fallen into mm -hmm. jobs and say, oh my goodness, what? But I will say that the majority of the people that I've worked with have worked in nonprofit and government. And there is a reason, there is a purpose, there is a calling to people who do public service inequity work, and they know it. And it's something that I think that the folks in education, the arts, government, nonprofit, public service can really teach many people who fall into jobs because there is a purpose for everybody that I talked to um, as to their why. They knew their why. It's totally the same in the fashion industry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Is that too soon? It's too soon. Sorry. Right? So knowing your why is important. And I've, you know, my why has shifted and changed and will continue to change. But that tie to what I'm doing and that belief in what I'm doing is incredibly important to me. Otherwise, I feel like I'm faking it. And frankly, that's too much energy for me to expend on any given day. I love it. So this is what we're going to do because this was amazing. And there's part of me that could say, oh, let's pause and tease episode two. But I brought you here today for a purpose. So I'm going to try to get to it so that we could do it in a fun, exciting way for our fellow luminaries. And we actually have a few of them in the room that joined us late as guests. But I think when I think of HR, I have this recent epiphany, it could have been 20 minutes ago. I think of HR um, as the way the world treats primary care physicians, okay? How annoying now just to go to the doctor. Sometimes I don't even go to the doctor. I go to urgent care. Urgent care. I would say urgent care is like Sarah, me, and Jamie, a little bit, right? Um, but we still, we provide a lot of extra. Sometimes we have great patient listening, but we're pretty much urgent care. Um, but I think from a, a physician analogy standpoint for people that just started a business and or are looking to grow their business, you have specialties in HR that, for, for instance, all of us collectively are definitely on the same playing field. But I may say, you know what? That's not me. I'm going to refer you to a specialist. And I think you should speak to my colleague, Britta. And or, you know... If I feel like the job search that was given to me is not really 100% comfortable for my business or my um, my client, I may, because I'm confident enough in my business and my life and my efforts out there, I might refer to someone like Sarah and say, she does what I do, but I think her and her team are better suited because I'm tired of sitting there not referring out to people, which is the truth. Um, I also think that there's something to be said that you know, maybe there's one particular coach that's a better fit for another particular coach. No different than you had 26 sessions, which right? I'm I'm missing out a huge. I mean, talk about lunch and learns. I am I'm completely raw and unscripted. Everything that comes out of my mouth, I've taught myself. I I've never I get emotional. I don't have half a quarter of the collective intel that you guys all had. We're so fortunate. Sorry. I never get emotional on, on things, but it's a big deal. So I like to be surrounded by people that can teach me because I don't, I don't get it. Mm -hmm. 
Also, Jamie cries when I cry, so yeah, she's probably crying. Also, Dad's in the room; he's probably crying. Everybody's sorry, crying. Dad. I'm Maris not... cries when Marissa cries too. Maris, sorry, Mike. Maris sorry. is crying. Yeah. You no, know, I Dad. learned. I learned a lot from my my father and our business, but I did not have the structure. That and you also, are. you're a victim to layoffs, which is one of the things horrendous. That, and you know, and I left a job that I was happy in. So, like, we all have a different story as to like what makes us take the leap and people that come to a coach and ask them to help, you know, or come to us that we indirectly end up coaching so many. But I digress. So we're sitting here, okay, today, we did, we're, we're, I, I cried, sorry. Um, sorry for crying. Um, I, don't you're right. Don't apologize. Actually, I never apologize for crying. I appreciate that feeling was more my a feelings. Joke. That yeah. was a more, more, so more a joke. joke. Yes, because we had that happen in our office um, once. Okay. With that said, you have people in the room here um, that I mentioned actually before we were live, and they are luminary members that we have helped with little project or big project. I'm not going to single them out. I'm just happy they're in the room. But I want to say that there are certain things that go along with taking that leap, okay? We all told the story a different way. Um, but when we sit down with somebody... Usually it's about how they're unhappy, right? But what about when you sit down with someone and they are happy and they are excited, but they're overwhelmed? What do they do first? You know, so do you, you refer them to the foot doctor, to the ear doctor, to the OBGYN? Where are we going with this, right? So my point is, we all could probably say a little bit to somebody that's starting to grow their business, including two people on the panel that are exploring putting people to work for themselves, Right. So Jamie put together a couple of little tiny first steps, which we all speak so fluently because we don't even think about it. But when I'm sitting there with a business that just started, you know, so for Britta, you're talking about founders of big organizations, right? I'm Oh, small. Okay. So then great. Then we're on the same team. When I sit down and I look at someone, I'm like, okay, what do you need? How do we start? How do you get to chapter one? How do you get from home base to first base? Right, because what often happens is when when a, a small company comes to us, they've already decided they want to hire someone, so that likely means they're overwhelmed, and there is no likely. And this is where I see synergies with all of our businesses, right? So we end up filling in that HR kind of conversation. You have to listen because, because I hear them, and I'm like, what I'm actually hearing is that you don't actually need to hire someone, you need an intern or you need to hire someone three days a week. Or it sounds to me that you might need two people. It sounds to me you need a graphic designer and an assistant, you know? Um, and it's really working or coaching some of these hiring managers to identify their shortcomings. Okay. So I'm really good at X, Y, and Z, but I have absolutely no idea how to do D or that was not the right letter. A, B, C, D. Um, or, you know, I actually am really good at D, but I have no time to do D. Like, I, I just don't, I can't get there. Um, so it's identifying some of those loopholes. But I think, you know, the questions I, I wrote down were, are actually like a moot point at this point because we ended up talking through so many of them. But what I'd love to do is kind of, and it doesn't have to go in order, you know, because we're tight on time and I want to do a hundred more of these and talk about a thousand things. If you could give a piece of advice today, we all said this, right, a little bit in our intros and kind of why we do what we do. And you have such a passion on shifting education and you have such a passion on the ping pong or the racquetball, I think you said, analogy. You know, if you could give a piece of advice to a, a potential luminary listener, which is likely somebody that either works here for an organization and they let them sit over here or they're a small business or they are an entrepreneur. 
if you are going to give a piece of advice to that person today from your standpoint of what you do, um, what would that be? Just and then we so you know, kind of cross pollinate what we all are saying. On but- our list of things that we were going to talk about before we had our emotional love fest, where I cried, was writing a job description, identifying areas from improvement, basically listening and saying how to guide. Um, I loved, someone said something earlier, I think it was Britta, where you talked about what you can offer your employees, which if I'm allowed, I have. Samantha in here, I said I wasn't going to call you out, but I, I wanted to use you as an example. Hi, Samantha. Um, is, you know, as a young business, like maybe you can just pay for someone's Metro card. What, and if you can offer that and you didn't think to offer that, it's some something that we could be doing to say, if you can offer something super little to someone, like for us to be able to offer Maris the opportunity to work at Luminary sometimes so she's not at the office alone. Things like that because we're working out of New Jersey. The littlest things can make, especially a junior level staff member, super empowered and excited. That's what Luminary has given us. Serbi, thank you, and Kate, because this is beautiful and amazing. It has sparkling water on tap and wine on tap. And we can't offer that to Maris as a new grad. But if she can get that here, even if it's a couple days a week, how cool is that for her? So that was one of the things that we were talking about. Or She doesn't drink the wine at work, Mom. Right, yeah. <laughs> Maybe maybe at the end of the day. Um, and then things that come up often with compliance and um, yeah, like New York about State law New York and payroll. State law is a big and, deal. Um, like just, you know, it's a big deal. How do you teach that? I mean, we deal with it from a staffing perspective. My dad, I mean, I swear when I first started working for him, his hair was pitch black. You know? <laughs> Everything that's happened in the, he laughed. Everything that's happened in the last 15 years in staffing with cl- uh, labor laws, all these things, I mean, you can't just hire someone and not know some of it. Otherwise, also for you or or somebody like you guys who, you know, you were given something like called a leave of absence. Who knew that existed? Could you ask for that? How do you ask for that? There's so much there. It, this conversation could go on for literally days. So if so, you could think, you know, of one thing that you want to leave our listeners with today, and we can then talk through some of the fun stuff that we like to talk about on our podcast, like mantras and superpowers, and then we can wrap. But if you had one thing that you'd like to tell people, what would it be? And um, if anybody wants to start that knows what theirs is. Anybody? Oh, Britt is ready. Uh, um, I'm passionate about job descriptions. So yeah. I, will, I will give my two cents on it. Please do. Um, which is that um, uh, I don't believe in them. Mm-hmm. But I write them. <laughs> and they're on everybody's offer letter. So the I think that when you, um, the reality, it's it, we're probably, we are talking to a lot of New Yorkers. And um, if you're hiring an art director, account director, that, that that's a, that, a job description doesn't define that for you. People should know if you're going for an art director or account director, what that means. Um, uh, and anybody who's good at their job is 10 pages longer than that job description. But it allows you to have the conversation um, when things aren't going well on what's not going well. So even if a job description is generic, um, and I don't like them, I love the ones that are far more specific and tell you about culture and sort of tell you how to act. And um, and I feel like the job descriptions is sort of the the um, the tool. I, I much more like roles and responsibilities and, and who you're interacting with. Um, but the absence of them um, is a problem and is problematic. Um, so even though I don't believe in them, they're, they're a very necessary tool as far as the process. And if you're two people or if you're 20 people, um, uh, referring back to it is a very helpful tool. I give, I give advice a lot to people that don't know how to write one. 
um, or having or struggling is is literally keep a diary for a week and just write down the things you're doing. And I that's how. That. I also and that's how you can LinkedIn, write what your job description if you, is. If you Google the role on LinkedIn, you're going to find yeah a hundred others. And just and that's a helpful each, tool when yeah. you're writing your own resume. So that's for yeah. for coaches yeah. to use as well, or staffing people when we're having conversations. Yeah. If you can't figure out what bullets to put on your resume, just yeah. take a minute and write down everything you do. The other piece of advice I have is that if you just look at what makes up HR, and if you are not as a small business making sure you have an org chart or compensation design or like opinions about each little check mark that is HR, um, uh, and I gra- I I I struggle with call- I've always struggled with calling myself HR because I've always felt like I needed to um, preface that as like no I'm cool HR I'm like yeah like this- I'm like approachable HR like, yeah, yeah no I like invite really me to the happy hour yeah. like I know what I'm- <laughs> completely invite me to your happy <laughs> yeah. hour. I'm definitely inviting Brunette, for sure. <laughs> um, uh, um, but there are tools within HR that are super helpful. And I get a little, I love all of the new titles in everybody's role, but I get a little challenged by when people are called people in culture, but maybe don't understand compliance or don't understand the laws um, because I do understand the laws. So I, I, I struggle with like, what is the right term? And it feels like HR feels like lawyer like how, lawyers can't call themselves a different like yeah. you're a doctor you're a lawyer you're hr although i hate the stigma attached to hr i'm also a white enthusiastic blonde woman so when i turned into hr i was like i'm the fucking stereotype yeah. of hr <laughs> um and um uh but anyways that's sorry. i was just gonna say just to um, piggyback on the job spec I, I do work with a lot of entrepreneurs and and people who are growing their business and oftentimes it is a real brainstorm session of sitting down in a room what and they're like mean? so i found something on google and this is the job spec i'm like wait but let's just stop for a minute like what's take what are you doing that you don't want to be doing mm-hmm. and what's taking you further away from the business mm-hmm. and like that's your job description and i think sure. sometimes it's, it's not that difficult like it no, makes it's, total yeah. sense to us because again we've been doing right, this for so long people can't see what they we can't see it's it. right in front of their right in front of them yes. but like sam's best use of her time is not necessarily like you know running a report or what ha- or or uh i don't know i don't know their business well enough but she probably could be using her time in a lot more and a lot more effective Efficient ways, ways. Yep. um but i do think just having a somebody to say listen it's not that hard let's just take away the things that you really aren't that great at and recognizing what you're not that great at and what what you're truly are called to do and let someone else take away that stuff anyone else want to comment on the one piece I mean I was going to build on that sort of similarly too like I in my business I'm working much more with early entrepreneurs so it's still in almost the side hustle phase or just those initial steps and people so often have the mentality that they have to do it all themselves right we mentioned before that I was lucky I have a marketing background because for the marketing piece of it I can tap into that but for a lot of people they don't and they're going to spend all this time learning something that they don't have to learn and so one of the things that I learned stepping into the entrepreneurial community is that it is a generous community. Mm-hmm. Um, it's generous at Luminary. It's generous when you go out there. So ask other people what they've mm-hmm. done. You don't have to figure it all out yourself. And I think you start there. And then you get to the place where um, these guys were talking about. But know that you don't have to be every single thing. Is that um, swimming in a pack of dolphins? I'm just curious. I, I don't know. <laughs> that is swimming in a pack of dolphins. Yeah. It's a school. It's a school. It's a school. It's a school. Not a pack. What is a group of dolphins called? I don't know, but we're in one and that's very relevant. So I think admitting that you don't need to know yourself and tapping into other people. I love it. Did you have something to add to that? 
I do. It kind of ties to what Britta said about um, referencing a job description for for as a benchmark. Um, and so from a coaching perspective, my advice would be around engaging in ongoing dialogue around feedback, mm. praise and criticism and building action plans accordingly around both. I think as employees, we oftentimes are waiting for the criticism and what we can do better. And we kind of miss the opportunity of doing more of what we're doing well. So um, in terms of this conversation from, you know, and, and potential listeners who are, you know, founders or business owners, as well as, you know, individual professionals navigating their own career, I think, you know, if you're the employee, initiate that dialogue, ask for feedback on the fly. Um, oh, I did well, thanks. How? Why? You know, why are you complimenting me? Mm -hmm. And from a manager's perspective, giving more color around that, whether it is positive or negative for the sake of, um, you know, giving people helpful feedback. I think that's something that would serve individuals and organizations massively. And in small businesses, you learn from the new person that helps you. Mm -hmm. Because when you've never really had anyone help you before, their effort in taking it off your plate is the reflection that you're looking for so that you could say, wow, that was really great because I could. Yeah. And that's how a job description or a hire or something can turn from an intern to a three-day-a-weeker or from a three-day-a-weeker to a full-timer. So I would only add that the taking things off your plate is great, and you also need to add one thing on, which is the time to manage the person that you are bringing on, 100%. whether they are full-time, part-time, half-time, one-day-a-week contractor, uh, because I think that we have in our general psyche that we hire someone and we don't need to think about it. They'll just do it. And we're not taking the time to think about, okay, so now my role has shifted. I might not be doing the things, but I still need to manage that process, which means I need to manage my relationship with that person. I need to manage the tasks and I need to manage my stress, right? So how do I do all of those things? So it's not just offloading, which I think is oftentimes what people think of, right? I'm going to hire somebody, Britta, and I'm just going to offload them, yes, yes. Um, which I'm sure you hear a lot. And then the other piece of that is, okay, so yeah, you're offloading some of these tasks, but you also are taking on the responsibility of having somebody else on your team. And that skill and the art of management and leadership is really, really important. And it's one that I think, again, often we think just magically happens. And we all know that from our opening remarks that maybe that doesn't happen so much. I want to say one thing, and, and, and it probably, did everyone get to say something? Jill, did you say something? Mm -hmm. But you've said a lot, or you feel like you've said everything. Okay, Jill, Jill's going to sing us out. Yeah. Um, but in the in the in the interim, I want to leave this out as a question, and hopefully, people do listen to this all the way to the end. But if, and this is the driest part of the whole conversation, but if you are a new business, or you're, I'm sorry, if you're a business that's looking to make your first or second, or you're officially hiring, um, and you need help understanding payroll, compliance find people like Jamie, like me, like Sarah. Don't try to navigate that stuff on your own because the world in 2019 and soon to be 2020 is not kind and you do not want to mess up. Because by the way, if you ask me a question about it, I'm just going to ask my dad and he knows everything when it comes to staffing. Yeah. This was very enlightening, very impressive. You're a fabulous group of young women. 
Uh, you hear young? What I wanted to be when I was five years old was the center fielder for the Yankees. Can you hear you know, him, by the way, Mike? Okay. That that didn't turn out that well. The but you know my piece of advice to anybody here is remember that every decision you make is the right decision, mm -hmm. always, or else you wouldn't have made it. The key in business, as in life, is circumventing the results of that decision when it doesn't turn out exactly the way you would anticipate it to be. It's that simple. What was your other your other major sage sentence, which was my fifteen year lunch of learn? Was there it is? There it is. Always have a plan. Yeah. It's 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 always transitioning. But you wake up in the morning, you have a plan. This is what I'm going to do this week or this month, and then all of a sudden something happens. I got to change my plan. But once you run out of plans, doesn't pay to even go to work. Yeah. And the best is the best is still ahead of you. You all are fabulous, and I think whatever you decide to do, you'll be very successful. If you decide to do, and you should sing. <laughs> yeah, find it again, girl. I love it. Never too late. Never too late. Never too late. That's great advice. There's a musical theater I heard on like Route 17. <laughs> you're, you're all I'm invited to come stand outside my bathroom door anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So I like we like to wrap with a couple fun questions, but one of the things that we could talk about quickly is, um, which I think a lot of us have said this already, we live by mantras, Marissa and me, and it's something that we likely either wear around our wrist or we say every day. And I think it seems to me most of us probably have one um, because it sounds like we're all cut from the same cloth. Um, mine is everything happens for a reason, which I think is extremely cliche. And I realize that. But I really believe, as my dad kind of alluded in the way we were brought up, is, you know, every single thing that you do, every choice that you make, you're meant to make. And you will figure it out on the back end if it wasn't right. Um, but at, in our business, we actually have five mantras that we live by and we have them on our business cards. It's something that we talk to our clients and candidates about every day. Um, they are say yes, dream big, you never know unless you go, um, network most when you need it the least, which is one of my favorite, and another card to take another hand to shake, which means all the same thing, which is just go and say yes and be positive and open to change, to opportunity, to conversations, to people. Uh, you will never find a candidate, a client, a colleague that will go anywhere if they're saying no. And that's what you were saying earlier, Julie, which I loved, which is you said yes to every possible thing that could happen to you that year. And that's why you got to where you are. So do you have a mantra? What is it? And please share. We'll save all our fun questions for the next time. So finish on that. We'll go fast. And or rounds. do you have a superpower, which I also think is similar. Sorry to interrupt, but I will say that if you feel like you have a superpower and that's more like your thing that you can bring to every single thing that you do that maybe isn't a saying, but it's a skill, that's fine too. In fact, Marissa and I both feel that way about ourselves and each other. We love talking to other people about what they feel that their superpower is. So if you feel like you don't have a mantra necessarily, but you have more of a sparkly skill, um, feel free to share that as well. Go. Since I have a long uh, superpower answer, I'll keep the, the mantra okay. short and it's uh, leading with generosity. Love it. Um, I have two come to mind, and one I'm not going to get the exact wording for. I'm sure someone else in this room knows it. But life doesn't happen to us. It happens for us. Um, and then the other one is who I am is my word. So while it's saying yes, it's taking that moment to know that if I say yes to this, it's going to happen. Oh, my God. I love that one. Thanks. Yeah. I have two mantras. 
Uh, the first one I used to have up on my office and my whole team had to recite it. So anyone that's on my old team knows this. Life begins outside of your comfort zone. And the other one is what I would have talked about before, which is it's all about relationships. My superpower is my handwriting. I attribute it to Mrs. Chin in fourth grade. Thank you, Mrs. Chin. <laughs> I can see your paper. It's very um, lovely. Honestly. Someone should visit me later and I can show you my notebook, but damn, it's good. And if all things go to hell someday, I can do your bat mitzvah invitation. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my God. Obsessed. Wow. I'm obsessed. Um, my, my mantra was... Um, it was always uh, just a simple girl with a dream. And then I had a dear friend say, you're not a simple girl with a dream. You are a complex woman with limitless possibilities. Mm. Uh, but, um, and then also my name is Britta. Um, and so there's a fabulous water filter commercial from the 90s. Wait for the pause. Uh, and it says, <laughs> even if you can't remember how Britta works, you'll always remember how Britta tastes. Tap into great taste. Britta. <laughs> I love it. Wait, I'm mean, even better than you for much longer yeah. than today. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed. <laughs> was that was your that was your night the night before the HR promotion? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, my mantra is this too shall pass, and my superpower is my hug. Ooh. I might need one of those. I, I love a hug. I want to hug you. Oh, so I'll do my superpower. My superpower um, is that most people that I come across, I help them be seen. Mm-hmm. And that. feel seen. Jill's mm-hmm. looking at me with her mouth open. I love it. That's beautiful. Great job, everybody. Well, we have a 157 more questions, but we will wrap on that just for the interest of time and heat in this room. Um <laughs> But this was so awesome. And what, as Marissa said at the beginning, which I think materialized even more so as we went on, I would love, 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 we would love to make this not our last time together. I wanted to say it in 40 ways and they came out like that, stumbling. But whether we pick a topic and discuss that topic each time or something along those lines, similar to bringing um, women together as Sarah does, I would love to do that in this particular Um, case because I think we come at things all a little bit differently from either a general HR standpoint, a staffing standpoint, learning comp, benefits, all of those things. Um, So thank you for being here. Is there anything that anyone wanted to say that didn't get a chance to say it on air that they can use for a marketing tool future? Anything that people wanted to touch on that we didn't cover? We did leak some possible uh, business between you guys. That already happened. That's great. you know, and I think we usually end on what's your action word for 2020. And I think that we all are on that same page of just continuing to grow and be good to others and make a choice to give back. So thank you for being here today and giving Thanks, everybody. us your time and making the choice to be here with us. Thanks, Ming. Thanks for thank having you. Us.